Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast with Alison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea, living on a newly created family farm in northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello, Alison. How are you? Hi, Andrea. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Early in the morning, but it's going to be a nice day, <laughs> so I'm in good form. Right. Good morning to you and good evening for me. Yeah, good evening to you. Okay, I'm trying to adjust my volume. I hope nobody hears any echoing back through my microphone. All right, so this is a topic I'm really excited to talk about tonight, but let's let's start with one of our most favorite things and talk about food it's early Mm. early for you thank you for accommodating me and (laughs) meeting extra early so you haven't even had breakfast yet nope (laughs) nope i've had a tea i want to know what's (laughs) well yeah leftovers there's a leftover situation upstairs as usual so yeah i think i've got some oh this is going to take some explaining i've got some leftover beer mash (laughs) So we made beer, or ancient beer, last week from local spelt grains. And it's a very sour beer. It uses sourdough starter and bread. And when I filter it, I filter it twice. Once I take out the kind of chunky grains and I make bread with that. And then the second filter is the very fine pieces. And those make a really nice porridge. But they are quite sour. So um, yesterday I cooked some of that up with some... Uh, malted barley some dark malted barley and I made too much so I've got some of it in the fridge upstairs and I will probably heat that up this morning and put my usual porridge condiments which are linseed some nuts some miso and some olive oil on it and um, I like the crunch and the kind of sweetness of the little gems of barley malt in it and then Mm. the smoothness and the tartness of the of the porridge so that's going to be my breakfast I hope now when you heat it do you feel like it gets a a little bit less sour um I think when I've eaten it cold I notice the sour more so with that in mind yes I would say when you heat it it it, it, there's less of the sour noticeable um because yeah sometimes when I have it just cold I'm like oh that's sour (laughs) (laughs) strong (laughs) yeah but but I like it that way so you know, one, yeah. one of my sisters sent me a video today. You want to talk about an ancestral food. And it was these, um, the title is Four Blokes Eating Fermented Fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's this Swedish fermented fish. I think she okay. said it was called uh, surströmming or something like that. Mm-hmm. She said it's, she said, apparently it smells so bad. You have to open the can underwater. So these four guys on YouTube tried to eat it and it was, uh, it was pretty hilarious actually. Um, but I thought of you when I saw that, I thought, <laughs> Oh, for, uh, an ancestral food. I wonder if Allison would be into this. Oh, dear. <laughs> I've had, um, there's a famous fermented kind of, um, fish thing here. I mean, with, with history, the Romans ate garum, which was a fish sauce that's fermented. But there's right, another right. fish sauce called, uh, I think it's called Colatura di Alice, which is anchovies that are fermented. And it's very nice. Oh. But it's the sauce, not the fish. Wow. So there's a kind of difference there. 
You know, we actually have a similar thing here. Um, mm. The uh, several of the uh, Salish tribes that lived up and down, well, still live here up and down the coast. Um, some of them, I'm I'm not sure if the tribes are still here, if their descendants are still here or not. But there are these sort of traditional instructions for taking fish and you basically lay them in a wooden canoe and they ferment Mm -hmm. and you kind of make a sauce out of them so i've noticed actually quite a few fermented fish recipes across uh tons of different cultures so i guess it's just a staple nutrition yeah i agree i was listening to a podcast where they were talking about the ferments in greenland and and how extreme they sounded to us but how mm-hmm. normal they were to them and it's and it's all a matter right. of uh, you know habituation and our taste buds yeah. are are fickle really you know we think that they like what they like but give them something else for no. a few months and and they completely change yeah and grow up on something and or yeah. have your mother eat it while you're in the womb and that's different yeah. too yeah I well agree. we had dinner over here yeah. before yeah. uh before getting together with you and it was just a really uh easy simple dinner mm-hmm. I guess maybe kind of a typical Friday night thing for us as I'm thinking about the dinners I keep reporting back to you but it's just uh tortillas that I heated on the mm-hmm. stove I, I used either just some pork fat that we rendered or grass-fed butter and then I cooked rice black beans crushed tomatoes a bunch of seasonings mm-hmm. what else I forget what else, but, um, oh, some of the bacon that we oh, still had there in the fridge, just un- uncured bacon. And mm-hmm. then, um, I cooked all that together and made like a filling. So then we just put our, mm. um, life culture, sour cream and yeah. raw cheddar on the hot tortilla, put in your filling, roll it up. And I bet the kids love that. Like a, like a, oh, of course they do. They devour it. Yeah. <laughs> and I put yeah. in handfuls of, um, jalapenos that we pickled over the summer and then um yeah i like my food nice and spicy do they go do they go less spicy because you've um prepared them you know fermented or pickled them you know i i have wondered the same thing too i feel like when they're pickled just a lot of their heat is gone also Mm. i typically you would seed them before you pickle them i don't because i'm trying to keep as much heat as possible Right. Um, but I definitely feel like I can eat seven times as many jalapenos when they're uh, pickled as I can when they're fresh. But also, I've noticed vast, radical differences in just the jalapeno source. So jalapenos from one farm, I can eat oh, okay. one. And a jalapeno from a different farm, I can eat like three. And do you so, think that's a different species or do you think it's the terroir, you know, the soil and the... Uh, I've wondered um, because all the jalapenos that I eat typically are grown on the eastern side of the Washington state. So they're they're all relatively similar, you know, hot, arid. But mm-hmm. um, so so their water content would be the same is what I'm trying to say, because yeah. the less water your peppers get, the hotter they are. But I don't know, maybe okay. a more mineral rich soil would produce a spicier pepper. I don't know. And were your tortillas um, ones you made, or did you get those in? I'm just no, like these are the same ones that we here. get from Azure Standard. Yeah. Nice. My outsourced. Um, my outsourced ingredient. Yeah. No, why not? <laughs> I'm I'm sort of moving slowly towards perhaps making tortillas. So I'm 
I'm curious. Yeah, I, I, I love homemade tortillas. I think are absolutely the best. These are the closest. I, I never thought I could eat packaged tortillas. Um, but then I got these ones just because I was mm-hmm. desperate one time. And we have really enjoyed them. And I nice. think it, it like everything, I think it comes down to the ingredients. Yeah. What, what the thing is made out of. And I, I, I've been thinking this today because we eat really simple food people always ask me you need to give me some recipes and i i'm like well i don't know you just put these three things together and (laughs) so good yeah but i've eaten some food in town a couple times in the past month and i just keep thinking every time i eat it i think to myself the worst meal you have on the farm is better than the best meal you have out of the grocery store and that I've just come to find that recipes are getting more and more complicated and Pinterest is yeah. more and more overwhelming yeah. because we're yeah. trying to find ways to disguise and dress up the blandness of our food. Yeah, I think I agree with you. <laughs> and I and I feel that now, we feel that as a family, if we do go out to eat, which is really not very often at all, no. that, the, you know, my husband Rob will say to me, I just prefer your food. Your food is so much better. And yesterday I made sourdough pasta with my um, son, Gabriel, and he was totally enamored. And we sat down to oh, eat yeah. and made, a, um, made it into a kind of a lasagna. And he was just like, yeah, I wouldn't be able to eat this in a restaurant. You just wouldn't find it. And obviously he's my son, so he, he loves my food. But I, you know, I, I kind of agree with him. I mean, where, where do you find a lasagna made with spelt sourdough pasta that goes down so well with meat from the farmer up the road and tomato sauce made by a guy who we get our our um, cabbages and vegetables from you know you just it it's something else but it doesn't have to be complicated something else simple is just so much better than something fussy yeah how many times i've said to gary i don't even know Man, if I could get food like this out to out to eat, yeah, <laughs> we are going out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I'll make a drink. You like that smoothie we talk about, and I say, boy, if I could, if I could get this at a drive drive by, drive through, whatever place, mm. I would yeah. so drop the money on it. But you can't; yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. But I will say, if any of my friends are listening and they live in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, our very good friends opened a restaurant there a few years ago when we still lived there called Commune, mm-hmm. and that is nice name. the food we're talking about. You're gonna some get people all are the doing fermented it, you know? things, and some yep, people very, very, very rare, very, very rare to find that. There, you know, there are some people here in Italy who who have the restaurants on their farms, and the the food is oh. is from yeah, that's their farms basically what amazing. this is. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah, and you'll see a lot of restaurants that advertise that they get food from farms. But mm. I I learned this from working with the farmers before the farmers ever opened their restaurant, and they said what that means is we have beets on the menu, and if a local farm has beets, uh, and see. if it's in our budget, then we buy our beets from them. But when yeah. the farm doesn't have it, then we just get them from us foods. But yeah. for a true farm to table restaurant, would say, well. There's no beets on the menu this week because, because there's no yeah. beets to be had, yeah. which is very that's cha- that's a challenge for a restaurant. So I really admire hugely the restaurateurs who are pulling it off. Completely, it's, it's a really big deal. 
yeah, yeah completely really my busy. son sometimes says oh we should start a restaurant and i think oh the work involved oh. no no <laughs> yeah well i've heard isn't there like grandmas in italy who are people are paying them to just make them like italian dinners and stuff like that i wouldn't be surprised that. yeah i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> i'd pay i'd pay so mm. much money mm. so what are we talking okay. about today let's <laughs> let's do this so so you got that amazing message asking mm-hmm. for uh um episode about kitchen orga- organization and an episode about avoiding burnout and i just yeah. you and i had been discussing another episode we were going to record and i literally took all my notes and just chucked them out the window and i said this is what i want to talk about and uh, thank you for responding to my frantic message to <laughs> avert avert course we're going to change way i want to talk about this um i think these two things go hand in hand i think it was a really insightful question um and putting it in the same sentence was really thoughtful because they the one exists with the other yeah so yeah so i want to preamble this conversation by saying i'm not an expert (laughs) just in case if somebody had the mistaken idea that i was an expert i'm not and i have i have not achieved all i have not reached nirvana (laughs) i'm not there Uh, i have 20 loads of laundry waiting for me to fold them right now so (laughs) you know don't you fold (laughs) no obviously i don't (laughs) i just wait (laughs) if i wait long enough people will take the clothes out of the basket yeah Um, so I just don't want to start off with anybody mistakenly for some reason trying to put me on a pedestal or think that I'm going to, you know, tell you that I figured it all out because Mm -hmm. I haven't at all. I, but these are two topics that I have thought, and I know you have too, because of lots of conversations we've had, I've thought long and hard about, and I've had to put them to the test really tough ways lots of times Mm. over the span of well my life really because um i've been i started cooking all the meals for my family just out of the joy of doing it because i enjoyed doing it um at a very young age and there was 10 of us in the house and i had no problem walking into a kitchen that had you know apparently no ingredients to be found and my dad would always say Andrea can make something out of nothing. It's amazing. And I, I delighted in that, you know, so yeah. I, I do enjoy, you know, these topics. Um, I just, just, uh, don't put me on a pedestal, please. Cause then you'll come to my house and be so disappointed <laughs> <laughs> and see it's real. It's alive. <laughs> yeah. It's real life. Um, uh, and then, and don't, don't think that, um, you know, and I know you don't either, Allison, but don't don't think that we float around in this state of perfectness. Not at all. Well, maybe you do, Allison. I, no, no. In my in my head, you do, but <laughs> I know I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, let's start with talking about the burnout because okay. um, the, the either one is good to start on, but let's start with the burnout. So. Uh, first of all, when you, when you, so the question was, you know, how do you avoid burnout when you're, you know, here you are, you're trying to keep up with things. You've got kefir grains, you know, you can't go out to eat. Uh, mm. there's 30 gallons of raw milk in the fridge. Um, 
your sourdough start is molding. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do I not get burned out? Okay. Well, let's just approach this the way we would approach any job. This is your job. This is not... Um, I think sometimes things that are household related can just get relegated to trying to cram it into the side yeah. of your life. But this is actually a fairly core aspect of our life. Whether your income producing job is something else, this is a core function of your entire existence. You know, the food you eat, the things you put on your plate, your philosophy behind your plate. So mm -hmm. what I would say first of all is you need to know at the risk of sounding cliche, your why. Mm -hmm. You need to know why you're eating this way or why you've chosen. Maybe you're not saying, I'm doing everything super duper ancestral, but maybe you're just saying, we're going to do grass-fed meat and start with that. So you need to know why. Because if it's just, I saw an advertisement about a cow and it brought tears to my eyes, like... <laughs> It's going to fizzle really fast. But if it's so core, I mean, I have walked into stores. I've gone with my kids. I've walked into the store. You know, you unbuckle everybody. What a hassle. I go in and my why is so strong. And I, I've, not, I've had to walk back out of the store with all my kids, put them back in the car and go home with nothing because I'm like, I can't bring myself to do it. I, yeah. My why is is beating in my chest and I can't violate the truth in my soul. So um, understanding why you're eating the way you are is really important. Sometimes our biology makes it easy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean true. easy, easy. I just mean like, Obvious. well, when, yeah, like you, when I eat sugar, I'm laid out, you know, for three days. Mm. Um okay, your body is telling you this is your why. I don't want to be laid out for three days. And so it's not like you have to convince yourself. You just, you just, you know, have not, not really much of a choice. Um, for me, understanding my why has been, I, I remember my first exposure to these foods and I thought, okay, if I'm going to spend money on this and time, because it's the two things I need to be really, really convicted. And I spent a lot of time educating myself with the willfulness of creating such a strong, powerful reason that I couldn't break it even if I wanted to. Yeah. So that was totally willful. Um, it could be reading document or reading, watching documentaries, reading books, listening to podcasts, um, talking to people. I think nothing has been more powerful for me than going to farms and talking with farmers. Yeah, that's yeah. probably been the number one thing that's helped me. Um, Allison, I know your why is really strong. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on this? Just that it it's the same really in anything that you want to bring forth in your life. You know, I remember mm -hmm. when I was running a life coaching business, how important the why was with all of my clients because having clarity is humongous once you have clarity you know where you where you want to go you know where you don't want to go you know what actions align with it and you know what's important and what to prioritize what to spend your time and your life on 
And so from that why comes a clarity which just directs you and moves you into the paths that are going to satisfy you and are going to step you forward. So I totally agree that it's a, it's a very personal thing and it's very important. And I think it's also perhaps important to say don't compare yourself with other people because particularly in the you know the age that we're in of social media, it's easy to to get carried away with someone else's profile and kind of adopt a why or adopt something from them. And that's just rubbish. What's important in life and in not avoiding burnout and in kitchen management, but also for you, is to know what's important to you. And that is going to be nuanced from every other person in the world. And it's easy for us to take on, oh, she's doing that. She's doing, oh, that's exciting. Let's do that. Let's do that. But if it doesn't work for you, you're going to get into trouble. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a place for learning and researching and there's a place for silence and introversion and looking inside and learning and clarifying that why for sure I agree with you yeah I agree with everything you said all right that will bring us to um, the next thought that came to my mind which um, this goes hand in hand with needing to know your why and that is know what to delegate or to outsource to hire out um this can start you know in a small scope and and grow as you go but in the beginning it could what i mean by delegate or hire out is something even so small as having a dishwasher (laughs) the machine (laughs) so i don't have a dishwasher And I don't have an option to put one in right now just because of the power and water situation. But um, that is something if you have the option to, you might, you know, if you say, I really want to do all this food. And yet, (laughs) if you don't know how long it takes you to wash the dishes, just as a side note, set a timer (laughs) and find out. (laughs) Because you do need to know that. Because then you can say, but it takes me an hour every night to do all the dishes and put them all away. And if you have a dishwasher I'll I've timed myself so many times it takes about seven minutes so if if that's something you need to delegate then do it and Mm -hmm. time yourself learn learn how long it takes you to do a task but um there's things you might want to hire out like maybe you don't want to make kombucha or maybe making the water kefir at this point in time is just a straw that breaks the camel's back and you can't take that on or you don't want to take that on or you just had a baby and you, you just want to drink water kefir without doing anything and you want to pay someone to make it for you, you know, buying bottles of it. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just know what it is that you need to hire out. And that goes along with your why. If your why is that I want to eat close to the earth, um, you know, leave the consumer economy, spend less, do more at home, then maybe that is also going to determine what you hire out and it might not be much. You might just, you know, I know Allison, you and I both, we do a lot very manually. Yeah. Um, I hired out this year, we're having a garden and I hired out starting all the seeds. And what okay. I mean by that is I bought a bunch of seedlings, not the bags of yeah. seeds. Because as we were going through winter and doing project after project, largely related to, um, you know, generating income on the farm, I, I just knew that 
trying to get the infrastructure out here and figure out the power situation and how I was going to be able to run lights was just going to overwhelm me. So I said, that's fine. This year, I'm going to buy seed starts and I don't even care. (laughs) So I did that. And that was delegating, you know, to my non-existent farm staff that I told to (laughs) plant all the seeds for me. So um, know what what to delegate. Um, And that can be within your family too. Yeah, you may need, so like Allison, if you asked Rob, if you said, you know what, what would help me is if every night when I did the dishes, if you um, cleaned the counters or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. if you just knew that that was the thing that was, you know what I mean? The thing that would help you, you need to be able to say it. Yeah, Um, I agree. What are your thoughts on this, Allison? I agree. We, we delegate out some stuff. So some seeds I've grown myself, for example, using your example, some things I've bought for the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, we delegate out most of our meat curing. You know, I've made bacon, but I, I haven't had yeah. the time to make any other form of salami. So sometimes right. we buy those from the farmer that we buy our meat from, sometimes. Um, I want to make miso, but I haven't had the time to do the research. Or more importantly, there have been other things that I'm more passionate about, which I've dedicated the time to. Um, So I buy miso. In the house, (laughs) your washing up is a good example. So Rob does all the washing up in our house. So I do the... um, What a guy. The cooking. (laughs) And he does the washing up. And it kind of started because because I'm hypermobile. My upper body's not very strong. My arms tend to dislocate and stuff. So in times of crisis, he's taken that completely on. And then it kind of just works because I do all the creation and the energy into the food. And then after dinner, he does the thing that he can just do. And then he can think and think about other things and kind of work on his music in his head while he's doing it and it and it really works for both of us because if yeah. you asked Rob to make the dinner it would take him twice as long as me and there'd be it's twice as much out. mess probably um yeah but it, it it's a good way and it's taken a while for us to negotiate these things you know who does what but um they're very important to my sanity for sure definitely yeah. And I think it's important to know that if, especially when we start out in this, um, over time, you absorb more and more things. So like you said, for instance, yeah. right now you're hiring out the, a lot of the meat curing yeah. and you're, you're, well, you have a handle on everything as far as I can tell but you know you have a handle on you know you you didn't start out you know day one making booza and water kefir and all these things but if you had tried to you would have burned out very quickly but you just are gradually accruing skills you're gradually accruing experience you're gradually accruing those meaningful and important failures that inform (laughs) your cooking (laughs) And um, over time, over time, you get more, which was my third point, which is don't take on too much at once. Yeah, because th- that's, I, that's a great way to burn out immediately. I totally agree with you. And this is the point in this section that I feel so strongly about. And I'd written some notes basically saying the same thing you did, which was when I started, I didn't know how to make water kefir. Now I do water kefir in my sleep, literally. Yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> and 
and that's the point if you take things on slowly then they become part of you and then once they're part of you you don't need to give them anything like the energy you know so now my water kefir is nothing like the the beer that I've only made twice I really have to focus and concentrate on the beer but I don't have to for water kefir yeah. and my my biggest problem is that I get ridiculously enthusiastic and I take on too much at once I've done it in for, for yeah. years yep. and I do it so much in the kitchen and I've had to learn painfully that it is not good for me that I just I think mm-hmm. I'm invincible and I can do this 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 and this and then suddenly I realize there's not enough hours in the day and my head is going to explode with all this information and so I'd kind of say don't take on too much new stuff at once because the old yes. stuff is easy but the new stuff really does take energy right. and it was interesting that I sat down last night maybe we'll get to this when we get to the kitchen management but we're just about to start a new batch of the ancient beer and it takes place over about kind of five or six days in total the processes for it and I sat on the sofa with my diary open and I tried to figure out okay what what's the best day for me to start to soak my grains because if I soak my grains this day they're going to need sprouting then then I'm going to need to make the mm-hmm. par-baked bread then then I'm going to have to get the big container out my big cauldron and put it all in that day right and I need Rob to be around that day because it's going to be hugely heavy and I won't be able to lift it from one place to another and so I I made it I dedicated it as a project basically sitting on the sofa after dinner trying to figure out when I should start this and that takes a lot of energy and if I was doing that for five different things Mm -hmm. I'd soon burn out and also if I was doing Mm -hmm. if I'd not planned it and I ended up needing to do the bulk of the processing on a day when we happened to be going out or when I happened to need to make bread too there'd be a just a big collision and so it's really important to not take on too much new stuff and not take on too much but also plan and realize what you're taking on and and be happy to do less that's something that I have struggled with so much you know because I want to do everything and I've always wanted to do everything and it many years ago Rob said to me you know know that if it's important you'll get to it and if you don't get to it it wasn't important and at the beginning, when he said that to me, I was like, no, 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 I have to do this, 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 this. It's all really important. It's all important. <laughs> but I've learned through painful <laughs> incidents, really, that he's right. That if it really means something to you and it really needs to be done, you will get to it. And if it doesn't, if you don't, then, you know, you're, it's not a terrible disaster. Life will change. Things will come in. Something, you know, the wind will come and... And you'll you'll feel something different, and so I. It's taken me, and it's still a practice every day for me to take that on, and watch what I'm doing, and make sure I'm not overloading myself, make sure my enthusiasm is not running wild, and be happy to to be um, joyful with what I am doing and what I can do, and also leave space for sitting having a cup of tea and going out on the bike and being with my son so yeah I've talked a lot about that point but it's the one I feel has been most prevalent in my life in in burnout for sure 
It's, it's huge in everything. Mm-hmm. I, I'm similar to you in that I tend to have FOMO on everything. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I have to do it all. And Instagram does that to us, yeah. too, because you follow you know, 30 to 3,000 accounts of people doing things. And and somehow we homogenize all those accounts into one person in our head. And we're like, <laughs> they yeah. do all these things. And it's not true, you know. But um, then we think we have to do them all. And in a ideal world, then you and I would be neighbors, Ellison. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, you yes. would make Come the booza. <laughs> <laughs> you'd make the booza and you'd be scalding and making sourdough bread. And I mm. would make tortillas and um, charcuterie and we would trade yeah. <laughs> with each other, you know. So don't think that in some mystical time, one person did all the things you know there was the brewster in town there was the butcher Mm. in town there was you know people it's not like you have to do everything (laughs) yeah i think Um, i love it if anyone wants to come to italy and live next door to me and help me with this please do it you know (laughs) she's she's looking she's looking and we're now taking farm commune applications (laughs) yeah (laughs) um also i think we'll talk about this a bit um, on an upcoming episode, but I definitely think that grocery stores come contribute to our FOMO a little bit in that if you go to a grocery store, you have 15,000 options for things. And sometimes we translate back to our house and we think I need to have kombucha and water kefir and the booza mm. and the, you know, threshers lemonade and all these things. And you really don't need to have 38 choices at every given moment so um so that kind of brings us to the point four which is scale down if you need to ask Mm. for help um make work groups work trade um if you have too many books hide some of them and just (laughs) you know four out on your counter and simplify unfollow instagram accounts yeah you know what if if my instagram makes you feel overwhelmed just unfollow me like i, I don't care i don't want you to feel overwhelmed i say That's completely not my point. completely 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 to that i am um, it's easy to kind of just follow people and then get caught up in that world get caught up in negativity around it and i've tried consciously with my instagram to only follow people whose photos bring me joy and so i watch what i'm doing when i'm scrolling and if i feel kind of really really anxious or kind of a bit resentful or a bit you know something else that 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 is not something that will um, benefit me i think about unfollowing that person because you know, Instagram is there for sharing and joy and, and community. And, it, and if it's going to make you feel pressured or overwhelmed, then it's not serving you. So, yeah, that's a really yeah. important point to to make sure that your time that you're taking in that information is something that's, that's serving you. Yeah, so I, I'd second yeah. that, definitely. And work groups, I have oh, lots yeah. of farm friends and homestead and urban homestead friends and just people who do a lot homeschool moms whatever and we all would joke all the time the only reason we get to see each other is because 
um, you know, we're canning and I can't remember Allison. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, did I say this on an earlier podcast or did I just say it to you mm. in a conversation? <laughs> I can't remember. So if I'm repeating myself, I'm sorry. But, um, I, I remember going to my friend's house. This was right after I got married and she had already been married for 10 years and I was canning alone at my house and she said, why don't you come and can at my house? So we canned together and a couple of us moms would get together and we'd be canning from sun up until well after dark. And then, you know, you drive home with rattling boxes of jars in your car and then go back the next day and do it again. And, um, I remember telling my dad about it and he goes, oh man, that's, that's so sad. That's so tedious. I feel bad for you. You know, what, what dedication that you guys have to sit there and peel all those apples. And I said, oh no. And I did not remember this conversation, but my dad told me this recently that he remembered this. He said, mm -hmm. I remember you told me, no, I asked them questions about marriage. We talk about yeah. kids. We talk about yeah. homeschool. We just talk about books we're reading. We talk about our life and we're laughing. And he goes, I then realized, wow, that's actually really valuable. And work groups can be a lot of work to put together and they can be a lot of work to pull it off. But let me tell you the payoff, the community, I still have such memories of those times and um, I've met, I've met so many great friends, um, just through proposing work groups, you know, and getting people together and doing, doing work together, just manual labor side by side, hands in the kettle and just talking and having community. So it, it both lifts a burden and it contributes just happiness and farmers, <laughs> don't get to hang out unless they're working. <laughs> like it's just a fact. So, um, those are important. I think a vital part of creating like a village life around yourself. You're inspiring me there. I mean, that's something that's missing really in our lives, yeah. partially because yeah. we've moved around so much, you know, we've lived in right. Goodness knows how many houses in the last 10 years. Um, but also because, <laughs> um, we're in a, we're in a different country to the one that we were brought up in with a different language and a different set of cultures right and and I think also because really a lot of the stuff we do is quite extreme I don't know how many people make um an ancient sour beer from from spelt <laughs> local spelt grains um <laughs> but I've been inspired reading um there's an excerpt in Honey from a Weed a book by Patience Gray where she talks about tomato making tomato passata tomato sauce and how the whole household is just involved in it and the girls did this and then the nonnas did this and the dads did this and it was so inspiring to me and hearing you and seeing you involved in work groups has made me want to be able to look out for and actively um, try to create work groups moving forward because they I think not only create wonderful things that all of you can take home but create such community and and that's absolutely vital for for us as humans so yeah you're inspiring me there thank you i'm so glad my the pinnacle of my life will be <laughs> this is the thing that i've aspired to ever mm. since i was a kid <laughs> i want to cook <laughs> for a barn raising <laughs> I want to do like, you know, 60 pies and Lovely. 700 loaves of bread. And I oh, just wow. like my thought. I, I just can't imagine anything more fantastic than a barn raising, you know? So mm. yeah, I'm a big fan of work groups. 
Nice. Okay. Um, all right. So then the last the last note here for avoiding burnout. This this is one that I'm pretty good at sticking to. I not every single day, but really darn close. And I think that this is really, really key for not burning out, which is to red up your kitchen at night. And that just means um, getting it ready for the next day. The dishes done or in the dishwasher or whatever is your routine. Mm -hmm. Counters wiped down. Um, Somebody said the saying once, do today, today, and do tomorrow so you can do tomorrow, tomorrow. (laughs) And if I walk in the kitchen in the morning and there's already dishes there, I feel like I'm doing yesterday today and then i'm trying to do two days and because um we we don't go anywhere we don't (laughs) our life is so boring but (laughs) but our life is non-stop because (laughs) between trying to pack in projects and chores and all the things um so i feel like if i miss one of my you know preps I'm literally thrown off for a week yeah, before I yeah. am able to cycle back through and catch back up. So for me, it's really huge. And, and I'll stand there like with my eyes drooping if I have to and <laughs> do the dishes because I'm just like, I don't want to wake up in the morning and have to do this. Yeah. And I uh, will throw out here that if anybody does not already have those habits established, which I did not have good habits established, mm-hmm. um, which I was really able to train myself um before we moved out here fortunately um with the help of (laughs) this amazing blog or podcast called Mm -hmm. a slob comes clean so i'm just gonna shout out for her (laughs) if anybody's listening to it and they're like what do you mean doing the dishes at night i have 900 days worth of dishes to do um that (laughs) podcast was really helpful for me just mentally to get a handle on it um, but yeah, so red the kitchen at night. That's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. guys do that, Alison? Yeah. I mean, we, we do that <clears throat> after every meal as well. You know, we make sure that the mm-hmm. space is clean because I, we've got such a small It has to be after every meal. That I can't, yeah, it has to be. I can't start another meal if there's no. not cleaned up from the last meal because there's no space. Yeah. I can't put anything anywhere. So yeah, <clears throat> we do that. And it's something that helps me sleep a little bit more soundly at night, knowing that there's not a mess up there. Mm. Yeah. I'll talk a little bit more about that one on the kitchen management. So, okay. so let's talk about kitchen management. Here yeah. we are. <laughs> I love this one. Um, the So point number one, I wanted to talk about crew resource management or CRM. This is a term <laughs> that I learned in flight school, but it's um, basically how good are you at managing your crew Mm. (laughs) the resources Mm. you have so um i have three kids and we homeschool Mm. so we're here always (laughs) and uh, let me just say that if the kids are not brought on board with the chores there is long-term suffering (laughs) yeah But if we do bring our kids on board with the chores, and I'm sure we all, everybody knows this. I'm probably preaching to the choir, but I'm just going to say it anyways, because it's like, I can't not say it. But if we bring the kids on board with the chores, of course, it's way more miserable in the beginning. (laughs) And everything takes 
10 times longer and there's water all over the floor and it's frustrating <laughs> and the dishes are put in upside down but but if we are willingly and thoughtfully training them yeah. this is key in the habits not only are we making our own days smoother we are empowering their adulthood with mm. good habits there where I, I remember sitting at my friend agnes's house and as she finished the meal and then she's washing the dishes and i said so you literally never you know and then she she washes the dishes she wipes the counter and then she mops the floor like this is just her routine mm-hmm. and so i was like wow you just always do that don't you and she goes oh yeah because i think if if i um i know if i if i if i uh, don't do the dishes i think Oh, my mom is going to chop on me. She's going to spank me. You know, she goes, I, I, my mother would never let the dishes sit. Never. And so I think, oh, yeah, her mom established that habit for her. So you guys have heard me mention Charlotte Mason before. I'm a huge fan of her. She's a philosopher <laughs> from the 1800s. She's from your, your country, yeah, yeah. Allison, England. But she says that um, habit habit is more powerful than 10 natures um habit is so strong you know and we all know this try to break the habit of biting fingernails or you know swiping through facebook that's a habit (laughs) try to break those habits and you see how strong the habit is yeah but um establish the habits for yourself and train them with your children and use the terms i i say to like you said we have to pick up after every meal if we don't after every meal not only is there not enough plates then for the next meal but um it's just it's just bad so um i will use the terms training so i will say to gary my husband i'll say hey can you just can you supervise such and so wiping the table they're still in training I don't just say like, kid, wipe the table. (laughs) You don't know what you're doing, but you did it wrong, you know. But I I try to use those terms like they're training. Can you coach them on picking up the living room floor? They're still training. And um, I think using, I don't don't know why, but using those like workplace terminologies really, really helps. And everybody flows with it so i will say in my crew resource management i do not dry dishes i do not put dishes away and i refuse to clean the table i (laughs) the kids do it all um and i don't this is not something we've always done this is more recent that i've had them do this as like religiously as we do now but i also have trained them i don't clear my own place after I finish eating, I am sitting at the table and they get up to clean the table and I have trained nice. them by telling them every time or, or in, telling them the yeah. first few times and then just indicating yeah. afterwards, remember you're clearing my place. And now I finish my bowl and I suddenly notice it's gone. I'm like, oh, I, who took my bowl? I <laughs> thank you, Camille. I didn't even see that you took my bowl nice. um, because I want them to be in the habit and um, also, you know be thoughtful for other people so oh, that was really long-winded sorry um Alison <laughs> it's, in, it's interesting what you say with your with your friend because my mom did everything 
in our house really mm. apart from when I wanted to step in and kind of learn things but okay that's my that's my tendency just so everybody she knows did that's where I tend to go the meal prep <laughs> she did the washing up apart from the odd occasion where she possibly would drag my dad in um, or uh-huh. you know like a Sunday where he would would help her and she did all of the washing and the cleaning and she never really asked me to be involved and and I remember having a friend when I was about 10 or 12 who had a family that worked really differently where they had like a rotor up on the wall that, you know, uh-huh. she did the dishes on a Tuesday and a, and a Thursday and her brother did the dishes on a Wednesday and a Saturday kind of thing and thinking, mm, that's kind of different. We don't work like that. And I think yeah. I'm, I've had to change because of the amount of stuff I do in the kitchen and because I don't want my life to be like that. You know, I want my in when I was younger I want my husband to be able to cook for himself and do all the other things I don't want him to be disempowered like my my dad is I mean when my mum's not there my dad can't cook anything for himself apart from marmalade on toast really or beans a few really simple things and I really feel with with Gabriel that I want him to be self-sufficient I want him to know how things work I want him to know what goes into running a household and so I'm with the two boys here. I'm I'm pretty good at you know managing them, and we've worked out like I said with Rob. Rob does the dishes, and it took a while for us to get to that routine, but but we have, and there are certain things that Gabriel does, and it's been up to me to implement that because Rob will do everything for everyone. He's like the you know he will try to solve everyone's problem he will try to do everything and so it's been up to me to say no Gabriel can do that you know let's let's try and get him yeah. to do it let's watch him doing it um kids the can other, do way more they can do than so much and also for. they they kind of want it because it gives them that structure and a boundary they that do. allows them to feel safe Definitely. and secure and then go off and do other things and the other thing I would say about involving Gabriel is you know in some of the routine things I involve him but also in the the creative things like trying to teach him how to make a pizza um, and again and again it makes it slower it takes much more time but I'm imparting that to him because hopefully as his motor skills improve and he can stretch and fling dough around <laughs> he'll be able to make pizzas in a couple of years time without any problems and in yeah. addition I get so much joy from it because you get into a routine of just bang 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 I'm going to do this but when I involve Gabriel I see what a seven-year-old boy brings to the same situation, what he notices that I don't, how he approaches right. things, what um, kind of metaphors he brings out. And he he would involve maybe one of his teddies in it. And and it <laughs> it brings me out of my kind of super-focused household management into a space where I kind of remember what life's about <laughs> and... And that's been wonderful for me to be taken to that space of curiosity in the simple routine things that I do in the kitchen. Absolutely. I second it all. Mm. When I, I tend to do everything. I I just want to do it myself. I'm like, I'll just do it myself, you know? And what that can produce is number one, burnout. Yeah. (laughs) Number two, resentment yeah bitterness (laughs) that's what i was going to say bitterness big time Mm. and so i i enjoy washing the dishes and listening to 
a podcast or a book on tape. And when I thought, you know, I need to, um, re every, the kids are constantly growing. So I have to keep rerouting our daily rhythm as I call it. And I was rerouting the dishes and all of the chores. And so I have mm -hmm. it set. So the littlest one helps me with the breakfast dishes. The middle one helps me with the lunch dishes and the oldest helps me with the dinner ones. Cause it's kind of increasing in quantity, if you will. Okay. And they know, <laughs> so they say, Oh, it's the little kitchen helper. And it's so funny because even though the one is coming in, the others tend to come in and be like, we're helping too. But, um, I, I, when I first planned that, I thought, oh no, my podcast time is going away. Yeah. But yeah. I thought, what, what am I going to look back yeah. on those merry mm -hmm. hours of listening to the podcast? When you or am I going yeah. to, yeah, exactly. Or am I going to look back and, and, and it has totally turned into that because, um, into what I hoped because we started, we, we just finished The Hobbit today, um, reading it out loud to Jacob and the kids and, um, so then when we were washing the dishes at night after we read, you know, the scene with Gollum in the cave, then ever since then, then Jacob goes, can we do riddles, please? So then you're like straining your brain trying to think of <laughs> riddles like, okay, what is, you know, and they're really fun. And he comes up with really creative ones. And I think to myself, this is so much more yeah. effort than just listening to a podcast. And it's so much more fun. Yeah. And um, actively train your little helpers, you know, um, so they're not going to put the dishes away in the right place, but don't just let it sit immediately, you know, try to catch that and show them this is the way it goes. It goes this way. And I have to actively also resist myself taking the pot out of their hand and putting it in the cupboard yeah, for them. Yeah. And I just have to say, open that cupboard and look. And I actually have like labels everywhere in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll say, do you see the sticker that says, you know, red kettle? And they're like, oh yeah, there it goes. So um, yeah, d just uh, tr try. I, I don't like just handing a child a job and being like, they're old enough. I, I prefer to to train them the way yeah. you would with any employee there's something so, you said that i wanted to pick up on which was you know yeah. that podcast time that you're not having anymore and that kind of easy downtime there's a situation oh. there where probably something else needs to fall away in your life so you can find the yes. time to give yourself that space of oh i don't have to talk to anyone i can just listen to this podcast and so it's always yeah. a, a kind of a a balancing act of watching what's happening watching what's happening to the psyche watching what's happening to your needs and then shifting things around to make sure that if you need that time when nothing's happening and you can just listen to a podcast and you're not being called upon then finding some other way of fitting that into your life and that's a, a constant kind of um, act of conscious juggling for, for want of a better phrase I think actually it's so magical that you said that Allison because mm. that is literally exactly what I did when I set up this rhythm so I would mm. say our rhythm changes in a big way probably every six to 12 months mm -hmm. and then in a in smaller ways 
every two and a half months when my husband's schedule shifts from days to night. And what I mean by a smaller way is we have the exact same rhythm. It just usually pushes forward by a little bit of time when he switches back to graves just so that we can have more family time together. But um, what happened specifically in this instance Mm. because you know i'm calculating the hours in my day and i calculate the hours that i sleep because i do protect my sleep time and um we finish the dishes so early that i get up earlier (laughs) than i could have if i was doing the dishes on my own and um and that just it provides that open space um, for me to listen to something in peace so that exact same hour is there in my 24-hour cycle it just Mm. had to move to the different side of the day so um yeah that's exactly what happened Alison I think yeah that's an important Um, thing to say because it yeah I hear so many stories of overworked mums who are burning out yeah and the need to that, that everyone needs that time with no calling with nothing you know and it's yeah. hard sometimes to ask for that or make time for that but it, it is it's very important yeah actually um jacob the oldest he is actually both both the kids uh, the oldest two jacob and camille they are such faithful children that um gary gets up at four and mm-hmm. to go to work and they religiously they must wake up to wave goodbye to him Aww. and they will get so upset if they miss it and then i always tell them okay now it's time for you to go back to bed mm-hmm. you know you need to get a little bit maybe two more hours of sleep before you know whatever the day mm-hmm. and <laughs> the other morning jacob was like well oh i don't know i don't feel tired maybe i should just stay awake and i said no, actually, <laughs> you do need to go back to sleep because this is my time. And that's mm-hmm. all that when we first moved out here, that was kind of the similar routine that we did, you know, because Gary was on days and I would read in the morning um, and the kids had to go back to bed, uh, so, you know, but our general rhythm was slightly different then, but actually pretty much the same as this. But mm-hmm. yeah, it works. Um, okay, so let's plunge into the next point which is Mm -hmm. um routine so in your kitchen management i I, i'm not going to say a lot here but i just want to say that routine is pretty important to good kitchen management i think um only because even if you're not a heavily routine or schedule-based person which you do not have to be i still notice that the most successful kitchens have some kind of a routine our routine in terms of just pickup is the table must be cleaned completely and i mean cleared and wiped Mm -hmm. um and then the floor swept and the dishes washed food put away counters cleaned that would be like the full post meal cleanup and then we do a five minute pickup so i set a timer for five minutes and then we all just clean for five minutes. So it really turns into idea. since, yeah. So since it's multiples of us cleaning, if Gary's home, he does it with us. Um, but if we're all cleaning, it's actually 20 minutes worth of cleaning in yeah. five minutes. And it's 
shocking how clean things get to the point where I've had the kids come and be like, I don't know what to clean. So I say, <laughs> okay, you've got two minutes left. Go run to your bedroom and clean for two minutes. Which they can never finish their bedroom in that much time. But, <laughs> uh, but um, the routine is really helpful and the kids have latched onto it very quickly. Um, we did this. We had just started doing this at the Marysville house pretty religiously right before we moved and then kind of got out of the loop of it and then started it again here because I remembered how much we loved it. But this is again a place where when Gary was home, when I was already used to doing the five minute pickup with the kids and the effort it takes for you to do a five minute pickup with the kids in the beginning, you don't get any cleaning done in the five minutes. <laughs> you're just, you're just coaching in the beginning. And so I would tell him we're doing the five minute pickup all it means is that we're just cleaning for five minutes and um, there's a timer set and you're not cleaning until you're done. You're just cleaning for five minutes. But I said, can you coach the kids while I work in here? And so he understood that I wasn't that, you know, the kids are going to just sort of walk around in a daze or stand there holding one thing or get distracted or come in and start talking to me and say, hey, do you think fish are blue? Because, and I'll say, let's talk about that after the five minute pickup. Oh, okay. You know, and it, and now they're really, they really get it now. It's, mm. now it's blissful, <laughs> but mm. it's not in the beginning. Um, re restaurant kitchens are where I take a lot of my modeling from because I absolutely love the way a good, well-run restaurant kitchen works. Um, pristine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mine is not always pristine, so don't get your hopes up. <laughs> but um, everything should have its place. That really makes yeah. it easier because if people don't, if you're just like shoving and cramming things, I guess I should say that kitchen management, you're probably... If you haven't already, you might need to declutter your kitchen. And I have to declutter my kitchen constantly. But um, it, it definitely helps if you only have the things that you love in your kitchen and the things you need. Do you have a routine in your um, kitchen, Allison? I, I know you've referred to definitely your fermenting routine. Mm. Yeah, I feel like my routine really is more in, in the way that I manage the ferment. So, for example most mornings I will go upstairs and then I will take all of the ferments that I've got bubbling that need attention, take them out and stir them basically, look at them, see what stage they're at, maybe taste a little bit of them and then put them back. And I just do that every morning and then that's the one time that they're kind of touched in the morning. Um, we're not quite so routined around um, kitchen management with meals Perhaps because there's not so many of us, because there's only three of us. Um, yeah. But we do have a routine where, you know, the, the washing up is done after our dinner's gone down. The table's wiped before meals and the mats are wiped before meals. Um, there was something else you were saying that um, I made a note in my head to talk about and, and, and it's just gone. What else did you talk about just then? talked about routine in the kitchen then you talked about mm. oh everything has its place that was it so we have a tiny yes. tiny kitchen and we have far far more stuff than is <laughs> than will fit in the cupboards in our kitchen and so our kitchen stuff I kind understand. of lives around the house <laughs> but everything has its place still so there's a cupboard that we use for all our kind of cooking stuff that's not in the kitchen 
and there's a space on the shelf for the grain grinder there's a space on the shelf for the um dishes that we use for roasting there's a space on the shelf for the um <clears throat> flip top bottles for example and one when i need things they come out of that space and then they get put back in that space because there's no room for them in the kitchen and if they were just everywhere there would be no room for me to work it would be chaos so although I don't label like you in my mind and I train Rob and I train Gabriel to know where things live everything very definitely has its place and everything is brought out when needed and then put away because that's the only way it would work the only way it does work really yeah you know our our um, last house was the first time we actually had all our dishes in the kitchen. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, and here we, you know, if it's the rule for a dish is if I use it, uh, I would say a weekly or maybe even monthly basis, mm -hmm. it lives in the kitchen. Everything okay. else that is more periodic goes out into the garage oh i wish i had that space literally things i use every week we we just yeah. put in this cupboard that's that's a flight of stairs it. away and um then i just I say to rob it. i need this this and this in the morning i think right what do i need i need this this and this and he mm -hmm. gets them all out for me and and puts them ready for me to use it that sounds a lot like our virginia house where i i had things in probably every room of the house but um <laughs> Yeah, it was exactly the same thing. You know, you just, you think, okay, I need this. And then the, once it goes in there, I'm going to need that. Okay. Yeah. And then you go around shopping basket, gather up all the pieces, go back to the kitchen. Um, the, the labels are something I got from restaurant kitchens, actually, because okay. I noticed that the reason in a restaurant kitchen, you have sometimes different um, groups of staff coming throughout yeah, who don't know and everybody yeah. needs to look at the same yeah. shelf and see the exact same thing and point at the same direction and the handle the same way and this is what we're talking about in a well-run kitchen not all restaurant kitchens are well run but um we had so many people coming we had multiple different families staying out here um and routines get really crazy when you have lots of different people staying yeah, out. Yeah. There's, you know, every family has their own routine and it was impossible to keep any one routine. So we just really had to just go with whatever was going on. But um, that was fine because it was just for a short time. But I still needed to, I, I like to be able to work in my kitchen and, and open a cupboard and without even looking in it, I want to stick yeah. my hand down there and find exactly no, what sad. I want. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so then I started putting the labels down because things weren't always ending up there. Because how is that many people going to know? There's just no way. Mm -hmm. So um, it made it easier because then I knew that I could look and find it, and and they could look and they could find it. You know, it was it worked out. Um, we hang quite a lot in our kitchen because there's no room in the yes. cupboards. Um, we yeah. most Italian kitchens have a a plate drainer above the sink so when you wash up you open the cupboard above your head and when the plate is clean you put it in this rack and it drips down onto the sink so we have a rack above our um, sink where the plates and that are kept and it has bars underneath it and I just bought a load of metal hooks <clears throat> so I could hook saucepans and sieves 
random things. Yes. I think you can see on my Instagram behind me, things are hanging because I want everything to be just in an arm's reach and to know yeah. where it is. And so I can just walk over to the sink and I've got the funnel and the sieve for straining my kefir. Right. I've got a sieve and a, a saucepan for cooking the greens. Everything is kind of there and I know where it is. And it means, I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't look pristine by any means, but I think it, I, I love how it looks because it's real. It's, and it's accessible and it's a usable kitchen, which is organized. And in the same way we have, um, I have a, a kind of a board on the fridge, a wipe clean board, which I use alongside my diary for planning. And so if there's, things that whatever needs to be done that day or whatever I need to remember that day whatever Rob needs to know that day I will write it on the board and so you know if I'm going off to do something for an hour and Rob's prepping some dinner things there'll be a list on the board of things that he needs to do so he doesn't even need to think about it or if I need to think right I mustn't forget I've got to refresh my starter tonight I've got to build this leaven for the bread tomorrow I've got to make sure I grind the millet I'll just write it on the board and then I'm standing in the kitchen. I've got the things I want in front of me for the day. I'll look across to the board. I, ah, yeah, I've got to do that before dinner. So I'll just yeah. reach out, get what I need and do it. I love that. Both those things are important. You know, I have a I have a whiteboard hanging in the kitchen that I've used for, you know, various things. Sometimes I just put a list of meals that I have everything in the kitchen for okay. so that if I like want to make a meal and, and I t- don't want to use my brain, I could just look and be like, I can make beans and rice. You know? <laughs> um, the only problem I run into is the little girls keep climbing up there and coloring on it and erasing uh, everything yeah. that I write. <laughs> yeah. um, you you touched on something that you reminded me that I told you I wanted to talk about, which is this mm. concept of the... Um, I'm just jumping ahead a little bit, but the living kitchen concept. Mm. And I... I thought of this when you posted a picture in your kitchen and I commented on, I think it was a picture of you or Gabriel or something like that. And I mm-hmm. commented on the kitchen behind it that I loved seeing a living kitchen. And mm-hmm. what I meant by that is so many kitchens that I see are sterile, um, dead <laughs> kitchens. I don't know how else to say it. Just useless, um, show kitchens maybe is yeah. the right word. And, um, I used to get so, well, I still a little bit, but I used to basically get hives over the fact that I couldn't keep my kitchen that way um, until I realized they weren't using the kitchen. Yeah. (laughs) I was. (laughs) That's why mine didn't look like that. And I do love having the things that I have are both beautiful and functional. They look nice there are things that I find attractive um or antique dishes that I use a lot of those you know but at the end of the day my kitchen is always in flux and if you come to the kitchen at two o'clock in the afternoon you'll think what is this lady doing you know but if you come to the kitchen at nine o'clock at night you'll be yeah. like wow yeah. everything looks so nice um, and you might catch it like that for an hour or two in the morning before things, you know, really heat mm-hmm. up. But um, during the day, it is going to look busy. And I said we wash the dishes, we clean the counter. Yes, but there's still going to be, yeah. I'm still going to be grinding up eggshells. I'm still going to have, you know, three bowls of dough. There's still going to be, you know, 
baskets of dirty eggs waiting to get washed or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be things happening in the kitchen, Um, which is why that routine of picking up um, the ritual is so important because everything needs to happen around that. And I don't want to get bogged down with the petty little things. And that, that um, ritual concept was my third point. I just wanted to say that if we look at things not as a drag or a drudge or a bore, but as a ritual, again, sounds like semantics, but the terminology is so important. I'm washing the dishes as a habit. I'm cleaning the kitchen as a ritual. This is a process. This is not just, um, uh, you know, a woman's curse or something that I hate Yeah, it's to do. an integral part of your life that helps you live in the way that you yes. want to live. Right. Mm, and yeah, I think I framing helps. So then that also jumps us. We're almost to the end here. I'm so, uh, so excited that we're going to pull in under two hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone is different. And yeah. you, you mentioned this, you touched on this with the Instagram conversation, but everyone is different. So, um, being okay with that. And I, I, my kitchen doesn't look like yours. Yeah. Your kitchen doesn't look like mine and they shouldn't, they shouldn't cause we're not the same person and mm. we're living differently. We're in different countries. We're doing different habits. We have different sizes of families, as you said. Yeah. A, yeah. a lot of our strict ritual comes from the fact that we are, we're not a big family <laughs> by any means. Okay. Big I, I, definitely. I know big families. We're not a big family, but we are, yeah, we're the size that we are. And you reach a tipping point where um, you need a little bit more um, comprehensive of a program to keep up, which we're, we're right at that tipping point. So um, don't... <laughs> I, I don't know how many times a day we hear this, probably especially women, but don't compare yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you said it too, Allison, but it's mm. so true. Um, just unfollow the people that make you feel stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Just do. And, no, and um, notice, and notice the joy. Notice the things that yes, when the kitchen's yes. clean, how it makes you feel. When you're choosing to make a bread over choosing to make sauerkraut, know yeah, that it's yeah. because it's bringing you something and recognize that. Yes. And, and the more that I certainly recognize those moments of satisfaction and choice, active choice in my life, the, yes. the, the more content I become. Right. And coming back to the value of what we're doing, like you just said, noticing what's bringing you joy and coming back to the value of it instead of being like, I'm just here. I've, I've thought this before. I washed this plate yesterday. I washed this plate the day before. I washed this plate last week and I'm going to wash it next week. And here I am washing it today. You know, instead of... Um, <laughs> instead of just getting lost in the monotony of that um just uh, find the the way you said it is so good uh follow the river of passion and um, find your joy (laughs) notice your joy that's um but that's important notice notice, otherwise it will pass by notice your joy and admire and respect what you're doing yeah. I yeah. we we 
this oh dear oh, oh i guess we could take the conversation all, all the way down <laughs> feminism rabbit trail if we wanted to but but um we have devalued our work yeah. in the kitchen so much and we're we because i can earn money to trade it to somebody else who can um you know make the pickles and sell them to me then i now have devalued my ability to make the pickles but in reality making the pickles or washing the dishes um you're not getting paid a dollar amount for that, but you're not spending a dollar amount for that. You know, you're, you are producing, even if you feel, feel like you're not, because you're not seeing a paycheck at the end of it. So, um, not everything has to just be quantified into dollars and cents to have value. So, um, a big part of my avoiding burnout is valuing my contribution yeah. and, and respecting that truly not just um on a not just on a um like surface level so the last um thing that i wanted to say on here was for kitchen management it's the same final point as i had for avoiding burnout read the kitchen at night just do what you can to start working that into the habit and if um if you have family members that you can incorporate, you know, that might be worthwhile looking into. Mm. So do today, today, so you can do tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you. Wow. What, what comprehensive coverage of the topic. Thank you very much for, um, all the thought you put into that. And so much of it is mirrors what we do here, but it's also different interesting to see the differences right. you know because right. of where we are and our style of life and our background and and who we have around us yeah well yeah. um thank you for chatting about it with me allison i uh, um tons and tons of fun to talk about with you so i feel like awesome. we could uh, discuss any one of these points for like yeah. 10 hours yeah. <laughs> take it all the way down through the philosophical trails let me let but, me go and have um, some breakfast first really because i'm getting hungry. yeah you need to eat and i need to go to bed <laughs> and the people listening to the podcast gotta get um, on with their lives <laughs> these heroes for listening for this long okay uh, is there anything else that you wanted to throw on here before we no. uh shut her down for the night no no not at all Thank you. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to chat with you again, Alison, yeah. for our next episode. So have an awesome breakfast. Thank you and sleep well. Ciao. All right. I will. Thank you. Ciao. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram. Andrea's at farm and hearth and Alison's at Ancestral underscore Kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun, exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen. Mm -hmm.